What's going on? What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode number three of the Counter Trey. Taking it to you on a Wednesday. We're recording this one here. I'm your host, John Johnson. Trey J here with you, and I'm in a great mood. I hope you guys are in a good mood, whether you're sitting at work listening to this. I hope you can get through a part of your day, or you're at home and you're lounging, having a drink. I'll have one with you as we lounge together. I'll pour a little Woodford Reserve. I'm in that kind of a move as NFL free agency is here. Our Redskins make a big splash. Also, shout out to Max Allegri and Cristiano Ronaldo for Juventus. Finding a way to get to the round of eight made my day quite happy. It's also college basketball tournament time, and I've made a few dollars. Allegedly, quote-unquote, made a few dollars on some games, so I'm in a good mood. Uh, so we'll get into free agency. We'll get into some moves the Skins have made. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about Case Keenum some ideas that we think Washington might be able to do a little bit later on in free agency. But as always, we kick things off with our three and out. Landon Collins, Lando, is headed to Landover, Maryland. Nice little connection there. The Redskins signing Landon Collins in the first day of free agency. And you know what? This is what we all expected. The Redskins were in a big need of helping out the safety position. Collins, an absolute stud. And he's a ball hawk and he's an absolute playmaker. And it's a big addition for Washington. I don't want to get into the money right quite yet but we can look at the player and itself and he helps a position and fill a position of need washington hasn't been really good in the secondary especially in the safety position for quite some time i know dj swearinger had his his moments and his spurts but collins is an overall better player and he also fits that alabama connection that the washington seems to be going with that pipeline of Alabama players. Um, so he's a guy we know we learned under Nick Saban. He's played hard. He's made a couple Pro Bowls. He's got the ability to be an all pro safety. So Washington addresses a need, uh, an area of need. Now, obviously, over $80 million produced or, or, or handed out to Collins seems like a big number, but let's take a look at this more realistically. Coming into this season, it's only a $4 million cap hit. We talked about how Washington was already cap struck, how this was going to be a tough situation in free agency, how they were going to add and make additions to their defense and their offense. They found a way to get Collins. Uh, whatever they're paying Eric Schaefer, uh, their, their guru, their cap guru, it's not enough. He finds a way to get this deal done in a manner that fits under the Redskins cap. It's only a $4 million hit. Here's the other thing. It's only really a three-year deal. There's an opt-out uh, situation within the contract after the 2020 season, which basically essentially says Washington could get out of this deal if Collins doesn't work out. Collins could get out of the deal if he wants more money. The teams could restructure things and work around it. So it's really to look at this instead of that being that six-year monster deal on, on paper. It's really to look at it more in the neighborhood of a deal that's about three years long and right now it sits at a cap hit of four million dollars the next couple years it'll be at 16 the growing rate of a safety uh, obviously this market was big this was a deep free agent class in terms of safeties we saw the money given out to tyron matthew uh, now we see eric berry as a potential free agent who's out there he was just released by kansas city uh, berry is a guy that i would love to see in washington playing the opposite side don't think that's going to happen He'll get his money somewhere else. Wouldn't be surprised if Dallas threw a whole boatload of money at him after missing out on Earl Thomas, who signed with the Ravens. So Washington addresses a need. They also poach away a player from the rival New York Giants. I don't know what Dave Gettleman's got going on over there, but I gladly will take all of his star players as he releases Collins. He traded OBJ, two things, two players that we don't have to worry about in D.C. Uh, any longer. OBJ obviously lit us up uh, over his time in New York. And Collins, 
is a playmaker. This is a guy who's going to go out there. He's a terrific tackler. Uh, this is where he's a huge upgrade over a guy like Swearinger who was playing in the safety position. He's a guy that can fill in the box, and, and he's, he's a terrific tackler. Like I said, he's also a playmaker, a guy who's not afraid to be around the ball. I don't like this uh, talk of him being an in-the-box kind of safety that really makes it a knock on him where he's more of a guy that's going to play that hybrid linebacker type position. That's not the type of player he is. This is a guy who's going to go out there. Uh, he'll fill the run. He'll make he'll make sure tackles, but he's going to be around the football. Don't expect to ask him to play a role um, that a like an Ed Reed type to play the free safety position and float around. Uh, I'd expect him to be lined up on some tight ends. Uh, in coverage situations, a guy who's going to make some interceptions, a guy who's not afraid to, uh, to throw his body around there, the receiver's coming across the middle. Uh, he's a smart, intuitive player. He's got terrific instincts, and like I said, he does an excellent job uh, in play recognition and um, coming downhill and filling in the run when need be. There was a huge problem with Washington the past over the past several years when it came to tackling. We all know that. There was way too many missed tackles, especially in the secondary. Collins will sure that up at the safety position, uh, and then he will also be the type of guy that's going to make some plays, uh, come away with some interceptions. He's an, he's an absolute ball hawk. He's one of my favorite players coming out of the draft a couple of years ago at the safety position. And it's a guy who wanted to be in D.C., grew up. You've heard this already before, and you know, not to repeat whatever all has been said. He grew up a Sean Taylor fan, a guy who he emulated, emulated his game around. And you can see some similarities. No, he's not on the same level as Sean Taylor. And, you know, part bias alone, Redskin fans won't allow that to be the case. But he's a guy that is not afraid to make a tackle, and he's around the ball. I think it's an excellent comparison if you want to look at him as Sean Taylor light. Uh, but he's also an excellent addition to this football team. A guy who's really going to make an impact immediately. He's a leader, and he, he instantly improves the Redskins' credibility in the secondary. Case Keenum is here in D.C. Yes, Case Keenum, and I know Redskin fans, it's not exactly the quarterback you were hoping for, but I'll be the first to admit, I'm a huge fan of this addition, and I'm not a Redskin homer, and I'm not an additions homer, but I like the idea of bringing Case Keenum in. There's a lot of reasons why I like this. One, this guy's not afraid to throw the football, okay? He's a quarterback here that... Uh, Got a little moxie to him. He hasn't had the most success throughout his career, but he seemed to figure it out two years ago with Minnesota. Uh, with the Vikings, he seemed to have a, a, a really resurgence of his career. He's a guy that can make a lot of the throws. He's got a good arm, not terrific, uh, not one of those type of arms where you look at and you say, like, oh, it's a Josh Allen type arm, but he's a, it's a good arm. He can make all the throws, and he's got excellent mobility, mobility being one of the key things. Fits great in Gruden's system if you can move and extend the plays out of the pocket a little bit with your feet and if you can make all the throws. Here's the thing that I like about him most is he's not afraid to throw the football. Unlike Kirk Cousins where it was times where it seemed like Kirk was afraid to make certain throws or uh, would be a little careful with the football, Keenum's not is not going to shy away from it. That's where he and Colt McCoy are a little similar in that regard where they're, they're, they'll take some chances, they'll throw some risks. Obviously when you make risks, this is a potential for interceptions, and he had a tough year in Denver last year in doing so. Now, I don't know if that's a microcosm of the offense they were running in Denver or if that was Keenum who took a step back, but I'm willing to give it a shot here in D.C. The addition of him is also this. It adds depth to the quarterback position for the Redskins. Going in, we understood that Alex Smith was not going to be the quarterback coming in 2019. Uh, there's a chance that he never plays again. So who's the backup quarterback? Uh, Keenum is a bigger upgrade over Josh Johnson, who played okay in his time here last season. But Keenum's a better player than him. He's also the type of guy who's going to push Colt McCoy for the position. 
Signing, excuse me, making this trade with, with Denver also doesn't preclude Washington from any additional moves. The Redskins were never going to be in the Knicks Foles sweepstakes. You know, and we, we want to talk about Foles. This is a guy who's make he's going to make close to, or made close to $100 million here with his with signing in Jacksonville. That was never going to happen. The Redskins weren't going to put that type of money in the quarterback position and tie it up into guys like Alex Smith and potentially Foles, where they were going to have over $20 million per player uh, tied in under those contracts. Wasn't going to happen. So realistically, what were the options going to be? You were going to try to find yourself a stopgap quarterback, somebody who could come in and compete with Colt McCoy for the starting position. If Keenum beats out McCoy, then what is the problem? There's nothing actually to be upset about. This is an, it would be then considered an upgrade, or you have to look at it in this regard. If Keenum beats out Colt McCoy, Colt McCoy would have been your starter had you not signed Case Keenum, and things probably would have been a lot worse than what they could be now. If Colt ends up beating out Keenum, Colt gets hurt. You've got a guy who's a reliable backup quarterback to be there. The other interest, the other thing that that's good about this deal is it's only three point five million dollars that's going to be hit on the cap this year, as he's, a, he's the, as the quarterback for Washington. That's a huge, huge difference. You're paying Case Keenum potentially backup money to be your backup quarterback, or you're paying him backup money to be your starting quarterback. It does not preclude Washington from making the additional move, whether it's drafting a quarterback. You've heard in the last podcast they talked about bringing in Drew Locke in the draft or Daniel Jones out of Duke, two guys that I really like, or potentially drafting a guy a little bit later on in the draft, uh, a guy that you might find uh, the kid out of Buffalo who, who's got uh, high potential, or you find uh, one of those mid-major quarterbacks uh, that, that you can sign and develop. You also go out there and do what I said to do last podcast, which is go out there and ask Arizona what's it going to take to bring Josh Rosen out. Now, Rosen, who I believe would be the number one quarterback taken in the draft if he was in this year's draft, has been made I guess somewhat available by Arizona. I think it all depends on what they decide they want to do at the quarterback position in the draft. Are they going to draft a Kyler Murray or are they going to sit pat and go in a different direction? Either way, Keenum's money or the money tied in in case Keenum does not preclude Washington from making other moves. Redskin fans that were able, that got up in arms about the deal or hearing some blowback from people that were saying that this is not the move that they expected, the Redskins should have made a bigger move. I, I'm sorry, I don't find that to be a possibility. Didn't think so then, didn't think so now. I told you in the podcast last week or last one that I didn't think Washington was going to make a move at the quarterback position, a big move, a big splash, and they did it. They found themselves somebody who was more than serviceable for the quarterback position, a guy that they could turn the reins over to for a couple of years if they need be one, one at the minimum, and hope that Alex Smith comes back or you get yourselves a quarterback in the draft or you trade for a guy like Josh Rosen, you have him learn for a season and then you can turn over the reins to him the deal with keenum is a terrific move for the redskins it gives themselves a, a safety net at the quarterback position and something that they can actually move forward with in the draft and down into the 2019 season and finally we kick it off and wrap things up with ap all day adrian peterson re-upping with the redskins for two years at $8 million, and you know what? Bringing AP back gives the Redskins a little bit of a security blanket at the running back position. We expect Darius Geist to be back, but even if he's taking his time to get through training camp and coming back from that ACL injury, that's totally fine. The Redskins got AP, who showed last season that he's got more than a little bit of gas in the tank. The guy was turns 34, but he looked terrific last season. He's an insurance policy for the skin. He's also a veteran leader in presence that'll only benefit Washington. Uh, we know that Chris Thompson's had a history of injuries as much as we love CT. Uh, having someone like AP in there to help balance that out 
a different style of running is terrific. And again, Geis coming back from a knee injury. AP is a guy that's a little bit of an, not a little bit, but a lot of bit of an insurance policy. A guy that guys can learn quite a bit from. There's some similarities in, the, in their physical running style. There's a way that guys can then pick his brain and be around him. And like It's a two-year deal for AP. He's going to be around in D.C. He's a terrific leader to have in the locker room. An easy decision by the Redskins to make to bring AP back now. Obviously, there's more moves for the Redskins to make. Uh, running back position seems to be now set. I would expect our three-headed monster to be that of CT, AP, and Darius Geis. Once Geis is fully healthy, he seems to be doing well. We've seen his pictures and photos and videos on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, he seems like a terrific young man. And I know many were excited to see what he could bring to the table last season. We had to sit around and wait. But by waiting, we found that AP had a little left in the tank. And you know what? Having that trio in the backfield bodes well, especially with the Redskins now in a quarterback flux situation. They're going to have to rely on the running game quite a bit. I wouldn't be surprised if all three got significant touches in a game uh, during the season. It's the only way to keep all three fresh. And it's really probably the only way for the Redskins, while they're figuring out the quarterback position, it's the only way for them to really be super competitive is give the ball to the running backs, let them make plays, figure out what we have at quarterback before we go out there and uh, sling the ball around. I, I expect all three to have a significant role in the offense going into the next season, and obviously the signing of AP all day is a terrific addition for the Redskins. Not a bad there, three and out, and obviously with free agency and this being recorded on a Wednesday, more moves can be made by Washington as this thing, as this podcast goes on air. But I would not expect this to be the last of the moves the Redskins make. There's quite a few holes they need to fill. You guys sent some questions along the way of what we need, what we think the Redskins need to address or where we need they think they need to address some positions on the field and we'll get into those and we'll I'll give you some thoughts on that as well as we go ahead and open up the mailbag a couple questions this week not as many as the last week but we got a couple in there and then we'll wrap things up with a take that I think would make Redskin fans quite happy check it out hey Paul you got a question you ask the eight ball Three, two, one. All right, first question comes in. Now that the Redskins have lost Preston Smith, where do they go at the linebacker position slash pass rusher? Well, that's an interesting question. Obviously, I mentioned before on a previous pod, I thought Preston might price himself out of D.C. He had a terrific season last year with Washington, but I think the amount of money that was going to be spent towards him just was probably going to price him out of the market in D.C., and that ended up being the case. So where does that leave us? Ryan Anderson right now is currently on the depth chart as the potential starting outside linebacker. Again, another Alabama guy that fits that Alabama mold that Washington wants. However, I'm not 100% sure that that's where we're going to end up. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington ended up being more aggressive uh, at the pass rusher position. There are a few guys that are still out there. Uh, Justin Houston uh, was recently released uh, from Kansas City. He's available still in free agency at the current moment that this is being recorded. Or maybe you take a guy, a flyer, who's a, guy, a potential leader. He's a little up there in age. He's 31 years old. How about a Clay Matthews? 31 years old. Only had two sacks last season. He's been battling injuries. A guy that might be able to come in under a smaller short-term deal, less cap hit uh, wise, and then you could address something later in the draft, maybe in the second or third round if there's another pass rusher. This is a very deep 
class in terms of defense um, and pass rusher in, uh, in the in this upcoming 2019 NFL draft. So the Redskins might have their ear something earmarked or marked towards there. But I wouldn't mind bringing in a guy like a Clay Matthews. Try to see if you can maybe get some late uh, career. He's only 31, I know, but late career uh, resurgence from him. Uh, see if you can get him on a shorter term deal. He's a, ter- uh, a known leader. Would add some leadership to Washington. A veteran presence. A guy you could bookend on the opposite side of Ryan Kerrigan. Wouldn't be a bad thought uh, if you could get Houston at more of a cap-friendly deal. Obviously, with Eric Schaefer, anything is possible. The Redskins can move some money around. They did free up some cap space when they released Casey, uh, excuse me, uh, Stacy McGee, uh, and when, with the release of Zach Brown, that'll free up some cap space as well. So, in addition, on the outside for a pass rusher is still available. So, I wouldn't be surprised if the Redskins ended up addressing that uh, here in free agency with a few or lesser-name guys, or uh, see if they couldn't get someone on on the cheaper i'm not 100 sure they're ready to turn the reins over to ryan anderson yet uh, i don't think he's proven quite a bit or proven enough yet at this point uh, but again he fits that alabama mold that washington has been so uh hell-bent on um, of recent years where they're trying to find guys who have learned under saban they play a sound smart game uh their physical physical brand of football so uh, I wouldn't put it out that Anderson is the guy, but I also wouldn't preclude, you know, say that Washington won't make a, uh, another free agent move here. They, you know, I, I've, I've spoken with a few people. Uh, they've made it clear that they were coming in a free agency with the mindset of addressing defense. Now, I'm not all that sure that they, uh, th- you know, figured it would be a, just a Landon Collins and that would be it. I know Washington was in on a few other players. They just didn't get it done. The players ended up pricing themselves out. Uh, but with that being said, wouldn't be surprised if the Redskins tried to make a smaller move uh, here within before this week closes as we head into next week. Again, obviously when this is recorded on a Wednesday, something could happen on Thursday or Wednesday night after this happens. But I would not be surprised if the Redskins made another addition onto the defense, especially at the pass rusher position. Check it out. Hey, Paul. You got a question. You ask the eight ball. Second final question, what do the Redskins do now that Crowder, Jameson Crowder, is headed to New York? Well, again, the wide receiver position I thought was an interesting thing coming into the draft. Trey Quinn, I think, slides in and replaces uh, Jameson Crowder. Quinn and, and Crowder have some similarities in the way they play. Uh, both views as some slot guys. Now, this is no knock on Jameson Crowder. I've been a huge fan of his. But again, injuries ended up being a big thing for him. And guess what? That's kind of been Trey Quinn's motto in just one year. Injuries ended up being a thing that derailed him last season. But there are some staggering similarities in the way they play. I feel like Quinn could slide right in in the Crowder's position. He's got terrific hands. He's an excellent route runner. Um, comes from a school at SMU where they threw the ball a lot, so you know he has conceptual ideas of how to run routes um, and how to get himself open. I think he would be. I think that's going to end up being the plan. That's not the only plan I think that Washington has the wide receiver position. I think uh, Tyrell Williams, again, priced himself out of D.C. Uh, they were in the Antonio Brown sweepstakes. And listen, I know I got some blowback on that from uh, Redskin fans talking about how they didn't want to add him to the locker room. But look, we can't uh, we can't always play in fear. Uh, you know, if you if you want nice things, sometimes you got to roll the risk. And, you know, we did not want to roll that risk. I understand it. There was a small price that ended up being paid by Oakland for Antonio Brown. Not in D.C. I would not. I got a feeling the Redskins are going to go wide receiver 
in the draft, and I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up being at number 15. Uh, if they if they find a way to bring in Josh Rosen, if they can complete a deal here with Arizona to bring in Rosen, I would not be surprised if he's available at 15. If Hollywood Brown was the selection for the Redskins, I think he's an absolute stud, a playmaker. He plays hard. He's he's an aggressive type of player. Uh, he's got a little dog in him, and I think the Redskins need that. They've got some skills. Uh, with guys like Paul Richardson, uh, but they need to have themselves what would be a number one go-to. Things have just not worked out with Josh Dotson. But with that being said, this free agent class, there was a handful of players that I thought they might be interested in. Uh, John Brown being one of them. Again, wasn't going to they, they weren't going to pay him that kind of money. I would have been intrigued by bringing in Cole Beasley. I thought that would have been an excellent pickup in free agency for the Redskins, but he's on his way, it seems, to Buffalo. Again, so uh, I, I, I have a strong inkling that if the Redskins are going to make an addition at the wide receiver position, I, I, I got to believe they're going to do it in the draft and they're going to do it in the first two rounds. And that's where I think a Hollywood Brown, if he's available, ends up being the pick there at 15. And then the Redskins maybe worry about the quarterback, the quarterback of the future a little bit later on in the draft if they're not able to pull the deal with Josh Rosen. And finally, we wrap things up with our hot take of the week. And this one is going out to all the national media members. I'm quite tired of them. And this whole narrative that the Redskins always win the offseason uh, awards or the offseason Super Bowl is a tired, drawn-out narrative that is just so un so uninformed. It begs to core under the question how many people have actually been following the Redskins for quite some time. And look, if you haven't been following them, I don't blame you. They haven't done enough winning to deserve it. But this whole narrative that the Redskins go out there and they've been spending money all willy-nilly and still can't win, I mean, that was fine in the 2000s to, to say such a thing when the Redskins were going out and signing guys like Deion Sanders and Dana the Subfield and big daddy Dan Wilkinson, and they were going out and signing... Um, Adam Archuleta to play safety, and, and they were handing out these large contracts, and things didn't work out. Albert Hainsworth being another one, we all remember that. But if you take over the last four or five seasons, that has not been the case. The Redskins have made a conscientious effort to be smart about how they were spending. Sure, they've made some deals with some players on smaller contracts that didn't pan out. Stacy McGee being one of them, that's of recent that I can think about off the top of my head that we mentioned already in the pod. But the Redskins, this whole notion that Washington goes out there and spends money all willy-nilly and not winning, I mean, it is just so tired. And these national media members that are going out there and pitching and, and capitulating this thought, it's such an easy take, but it's so far-fetched. I mean, some of you guys need to wake up. And I'm not going to sit here and name names, but there's a handful of people. If you followed me on Twitter, you know I've crushed over the years. They are just have a, a, a way about them that it's uh, you're so uninformed that you're just sitting there just trying to poke the bear just to poke the bear either have or know what you're talking about or just shut the heck up and there's a bunch of them out there that just need to shut the heck up now i'm not saying the redskins have spent their money wisely throughout the years and i'm not saying they they don't deserve some of the the cre uh, credit and uh or or lack thereof credit that they that, that that get that sent their way let's be completely honest you know Dan Snyder has done a terrible job since he's been here as the owner of the Washington Redskins. I don't think anybody can can say that. I mean, he's he's had this team under the watch of Vinny Serrato, which turned into a disaster, and now under Bruce Allen, where it's been a disaster since he stepped foot in D.C. Sure, they made the playoffs, but he is an absolute joke, and there's no question about that. He's become the laughing stock within the league, but. 
I would much rather have an owner that was going out there and willing to spend than an owner that's not willing to spend it all. I'll give you the prime example. Take a look at what happened with the Baltimore Orioles over the past couple of years. The Orioles got good and they got really good. And they were at a point where they had a chance to make it to the World Series a couple of years ago until they ran into the buzzsaw of Kansas City. When your team has a chance to make a World Series run and be a consistent winner, you'd like for your owner to go out there and spend some money. However, the Orioles decided they were going to bargain bin shop for their entire existence of success over the past couple seasons, and then they fell apart because you can only bottom barrel feed your team for so long until what you actually have in terms of talent just gets out ages, ages itself out of, I guess, contention. And that ended up what happened with Baltimore. They also didn't spend the money that they did want to spend wisely, giving Chris Davis a whole bunch of money, but not willing to pony up and pay Adam Jones or their Manny Machado. So the counter to that is Washington is at least willing to open up the checkbook. Have they spent wisely all the time? No, but the narrative is that they've gone out and spent willy and freely is just not exactly true of late. The Redskins have been more conscientious with what they've spent. But with that said, I'd much rather have an owner that's willing to spend than not willing to spend at all. Because you know what? If he wants to win and I'm putting money in his pocket by supporting the team, I want them to go out and get me players. They're going to bring home a championship. So that's how we're going to wrap up episode three. I mean, as always, if you want to chime in, you can go ahead and write in the comment section. Or, of course, you can email me at john.k.johnsonii at gmail.com. Or go ahead and hit me up on Twitter and pose your questions and give me your thoughts. It's JJ. The Real JKJ is what you can reach me at on Twitter. That's The Real JKJ on Twitter. Again, pour yourself out a drink here and sit back and relax as NFL free agency is here. Optimism reigns in D.C. It's it's the offseason. We can feel good about our team right now until we get about week 10 where we'll all be crying for Bruce Allen to leave again. John Johnson, thanks for tuning in. We'll bring you another pod in about a week or so. Until then, I'll catch you guys.